0: This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of the each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John sixteen thirty three, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. How many people in this place would like to know they never have to carry a burden ever again? If you don't raise your hand, we're gonna have special prayer because something's wrong with you. You're crazy. You got something aspirin can't fix. If you don't, if you want to carry a burden again, come on. I want to be free in my life. I want to be free, free, completely free. I ask Erica to play just while I read this first scripture. I really don't have to put it on the board, but we'll put that Matthew 6 scripture up there. The first part of it, everybody will know very well. The last part, not as much. Why don't we all just recite it together this morning? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. But then the last two verses say this, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you Let's read verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you yours. I found a translation. I find it very anybody like looking at different translations, just seeing how things are worded. I, I found one, it is the Wymoth translation. And I want to read verses 12. 13, 14, and 15 out of the Weymouth translation. We didn't even have it on the computer back there. But I want to read that to you. It says this, forgive us our shortcomings as we also have forgiven those who have failed in their duty towards us. We'll read that again. Forgive us our shortcomings as we also have forgiven those who have failed in their duty towards us. And bring us not into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your offenses. But if you do not forgive others their offenses, neither will the heavenly Father forgive you of yours. Lord, I ask you this morning, God, that Lord, you've already opened our hearts this morning. God, I ask you that you just pour into us today. In this place, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about freedom. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. Forgiveness is preventative measures. If you have forgiveness in your life, you don't have to deal with the children of unforgiveness. That's going to be what I'm going to be preaching on next Sunday the children of unforgiveness. But if you have forgiveness, it's a preventative measure, and you don't have to deal with all the side effects that come with unforgiveness in your life. We have a necessity in our life to forgive offenses. I like the way this Weymouth translation says it. Those who have failed in their duty towards us. How many of you in here this morning feel like there's been someone that's failed in their duty towards you? Come on. Oh, come on. Everybody feels like somebody's failed you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's a long definition. You can look it up. It's just over and over different things is, are said about forgiveness. I'll read you just a couple. Totally forgiving all debt and bringing the balance to zero. I like that. In other words, nobody owes you anything because of what they did. Maybe you've even made the statement, well, you owe it to me. Bringing the balance to zero. How about this one permanently forfeiting all rights to reproach? When you really forgive, you permanently forfeit all your right to have reproach. All rights. In other words, I refuse to private or pu- privately or publicly tear somebody down. Boy, it's quiet. God always gives His children the ability f- to forgive. I want you to understand that this morning, you have the ability in you to forgive. When you do not forgive, it is a choice that you make, and it has nothing to do with what was done to you. Our foundation, foundational principles of Christianity are based on forgiveness. Our, 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 I mean, wh- I want you to really get that this morning. I, and I know none of you have ever known anybody that's been offended in church. Well, I got a response there. I believe that was 93%. I want you to think for just a moment how many offenses and how much unforgiveness roots itself in the church. I'm not talking about just life fellowship. I'm talking about any church anywhere, how much unforgiveness roots itself in the church. Deep. Rooted unforgiveness. But yet the foundational principle of who we are as a Christian is is based on forgiveness. And if you look at this text, this is not one that you have to get a theologian to dissect for you. He says, forgive us, Lord, as we also forgive those who have failed towards us. They're the ones that have committed offense. And we recite the Lord's prayer so often, but boy, verse 15 goes unnoticed. It says, but he he tells the disciples, but if you don't forgive others their offenses, neither will you be forgiven. That's pretty strong language. you haven't figured out, I'm not going to be running wild off the chain this morning. I, th- I'm, we're talking about the growth of a church. We talked about it last Sunday. And I want to tell you something. This principle of forgiveness, if we're going to grow as a church, it has to be, it has to be deeper rooted than the roots of unforgiveness. We've got them backwards in the church. The roots of unforgiveness grow deep. But, boy, we don't have much grace for anybody. And, let, and let's just take, take our blinders off for just a minute and, and, and put a mirror up in front of our face. All of us deal with this in some form or fashion. Well, I just can't believe old Josh. He, was he a little bit off key this morning? What was wrong with him? You weren't off key. But I'm using him as an example. Isn't it amazing how we can not have grace for other people? Well, Brandy walked in this morning just because she's got a little wonder. She didn't even speak to me. Well, I don't think I'll speak to them anymore. After all, she didn't speak to me Sunday. Why should I have to speak to them? Because you're a child of God. Because you're a child of God. We're not a religion, I hate to even use that word, but we're not a religion that bases our love and acceptance and forgiveness off of what somebody else has done for us or to us. Our foundational principles are built on somebody that didn't really even know us. We weren't even born yet but yet he went as a man and as God. He went to the cross, and he died for you in your weakness. He was crucified, and he died. Not only did he do that, but he got the keys of death, hell, and the grave so that you could have victory in this life over every issue, over every offense that you'll ever come in contact with. This is where we run into a problem. Psalms 103.11 says God's love is steadfast. Steadfast means unmovable. He loves me. He loves me even when I get upset. He loves me even when I do wrong. He just loves me. And he's always... But our love is conditional. I'm... Come on. Our love is conditional. If somebody doesn't act, do, or say like we think, we begin to have a problem with them, and we allow a little root of bitterness to begin to set up in us, and it's called unforgiveness. The Bible says we shouldn't live a life being easily offended. And God's people, myself included, are some of the most offended people. How many offended Church of God people have you known in your life? I mean, look, we wouldn't be able. We would have to bring out a typewriter to type up all the uh, typewriter. Where in the world am I coming from? It hadn't been a typewriter in use in 40 years. I'm old, I really am. That came out of the archives. That's almost as old as a PC, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How many people in church have you known that have just lived an offended life? I want you to think about this. How many people were anointed and called for a purpose? But because they were offended in church and chose to remain offended, their entire destiny in God was stolen. And they became a bitter, gruff, old person that died never fulfilling their destiny in God. All because of the way they dealt with offense. Well, Pastor, I, I, I've already dealt with most of this. I, this, is, I, I, this is good this morning, but I've dealt with this in my life. I don't have to deal with things like that anymore, really. I'm, I'm glad, but let me ask you this. When that certain person walks in the room, what's your posture like? When you walk into the office and see that one person... It just makes you want to go jump off a bridge. What's your posture like? We live a life carrying offenses. Offenses are going to come. There's nothing you and I can do to, stop, to stop it. And listen, I, I appreciate everybody's been so loving to me, but I want to tell you something. I'm going to offend somebody. I may have already offended somebody. But if I remain the pastor here, which I plan on doing, I'm going to offend somebody. I, I am a human. You're going to offend me. You know why? Not because you're a bad person, because you are human. You are flesh. You are not glorified in your body yet. This is what we need to do. We need to begin to recognize and have a distinction between weakness and wickedness. Somebody does something we don't think, we will vilify them like they're wicked when really all they were was weak. Everybody that's offended you has not been wicked, they've just had a weakness in their life. It may be a different weakness than you have, but a weakness nevertheless. You were never created to be a storage tank of anger. Have you ever met anybody? They are a storage tank of anger. They are a ticking. How many of you have known some church people that were storage tank? Come on, raise your hands this morning. That were a storage tank of anger, ready to go off at any moment. How you handle offense is your responsibility, not the offender's. And it's not God's responsibility. He's given you the goods to put into action to deal with offense in your life. What kind of wake do you leave behind after you're offended? I was pulling Emily and a friend of hers on a boat one time, pulling them on a tube. And I met this houseboat that was cruising at a pretty good clip. And I could tell before I got there that he was throwing a pretty big weight. So I just cut the, I just cut the power all the way back, and, and my boat came off plane and literally just sat down in the water. But as that boat went by us and we had just a little momentum, it had such a wake off of that boat, she went about 10 foot up in the air. It scared me. And I want to ask you, what kind of wake have you left behind after somebody's offended you? How many people have, listen to me church, how many people have been caught in the wake of your anger? Some that had nothing to do with the offense, but ones that were caught in the wake and suffered the consequences. Make a distinction between wickedness and weakness. Luke 6.36 said, Be merciful as the Father has shown you mercy. I don't know about you this morning, but I am glad that the Father showed me mercy. I'm glad that I did not get what I deserve. Jesus showed me mercy in my life. To put it just plain, give each other a break. there's going to be a day you're going to need a break. You may have it all together now, but you're going to have some disheveled days somewhere along the way, and somebody is going to need to give you a break. Learn to give somebody else a break. You don't. We seldom ever really know what everybody's dealing with when we're offended. When people say stupid things and mean things, and Church of God folks do both, Sometimes at the same time. But sometimes we don't know what they've been dealing with. Maybe they live with an abusive spouse. Maybe they just getting over having their child strung out on drugs overnight. I don't, maybe they just lost their job. Maybe they don't know how they're going to pay their rent. I don't know what's happening in their life. But can I tell you, we don't know what they're dealing with. And if we're going to be a growing church, we've got to give each other a break. Everybody's thinking, I wonder who got offended this week in church. Nobody. Remember what I said. Forgiveness is preventative measures. If you have forgiveness, if you learn forgiveness, you won't have to deal with unforgiveness. The first step in handling offense Go to God and not others. Some of you didn't write that down. I'm going to say it again. First step in handling offense, go to God and not others. This is what happens. You go to God. It allows the Holy Spirit to give you a better perspective in your life. It allows the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you. If you go to others, then you cause them to think less of the offender. Now someone else is offended. I'm picking on Josh today. This, Josh did something. I don't know what he did. He just he promised to he promised to buy me lunch and he never did, never did follow through on it. He really did. He did take me to lunch. But he, he promised to buy me lunch and he didn't. And then and somebody says, Well, hey, what do, you, what do you know about that Josh guy? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. He promised to buy me lunch. I never saw no lunch. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Told me two or three times he was going to do it. I don't know, you know, may have some issues going on. And then that person goes and tells somebody, hey, did you hear about Josh? He told the pastor he he was going to take him to lunch, but pastor said he found out he's got so many issues going on, he can't even take him. And before you know it, everybody's offended at Josh. We laugh, but isn't that how it happens? When you go talk to somebody else after you've been offended, I want to tell you what's really taking place. You're wanting somebody to validate the feelings of your flesh. Because if you go to God, he's not going to validate you, the feelings of your flesh. He's going to immediately bring you right back to what the Spirit is saying about that offense in your life. But when I go to somebody else, it's because I'm I'm wanting to be validated in the way that I feel about what happened to me. And there is nothing positive that can ever come from having your flesh validated. Because your flesh is deceitfully wicked above all things. I said it the other way, your flesh is not saved. Your spirit is saved. Ain't nobody's flesh in here saved. If your flesh was saved, you couldn't never watch anything, do anything. You couldn't do anything that was outside the word of God again. Once you've been saved, your flesh is not saved. Don't try to validate your flesh in your life. If I go to God, I begin to feel peace in the situation. And I also honor God because I maintain unity in the house of God. About 85% of people leave a church because they're offended. I, I want you to think about this. Not because they're not getting fed. Oh, I'm going to take a 30-second rabbit trail. Hey brother, I see y'all left the church Well, we just weren't getting fed anymore That is a bunch of junk most of the time That's just an excuse Because you didn't want to just admit I got my feelings hurt And I want man or woman enough to deal with it So I got myself up my left I said, don't be easily offended. When I honor God by talking to him first, I honor him with unity. When I go to others first, I succeed in getting others to sin and creating division in relationships. Unforgiveness always brings dishonor to God. If you have unforgiveness towards anybody in here this morning, Anybody in your family, anybody anywhere, it always brings dishonor to God. It can never bring unity to him. Be careful what you speak about those who offend you. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 that the power of life and death is in your tongue. Let's, let's just break it down real quick. Well, we can cut somebody up pretty good when we need to, can't we? We can cut somebody up pretty good when we need to. The power of life and death is in your tongue. The Lord's prayer says, Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it goes right in to talk about forgiving those who have wronged us. When you don't forgive, God's will stops. It's impossible for him to continue his will in your life. Unforgiveness is like a concrete wall. Lord, let your will be done. And for, Lord, as we forgive others, and when you, listen, when you have God's will that you're trying to accomplish and you have unforgiveness in your life and you don't operate in forgiveness, it immediately stops his will in your life. Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to read a couple verses. I think she'll have them on the overhead. Verses 24 and 26, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares appeared also. You can come into a church week after week. You can sing the songs. You can read the word. You can come to the altar and cry and shout and whatever. But if you have a root of unforgiveness in your life that you haven't dealt with, you may not see it today, you may not see it next week, but right at the point where God is about to produce a crop of harvest in your life, right at the place where God is about to move you from this place to that place, right at the time where God says, I am about to move you on, I want to tell you, when that crop begins to spring up, all of a sudden, all the roots that the enemy had planted they've been growing right along with the good stuff. Just coming into church doesn't solve your problem. God says, I want you to have forgiveness in your life. Satan plants seeds in your mind. it's where it all starts. Listen, whatever God does for you, you should do back forgive us our debts lord just like we forgive others whatever god's done to you that's what you should do for somebody else that's how we have a growing church you see our greatest temptation is we feel justified i want to tell you there's been some things that have happened in my life i've been I, i've been justified to be mad I really was the one in the right. Somebody else really was the one in the wrong. And boy, we like to make sure that everybody understands which one was wrong. If you're like me, I want to make sure you get it that I was right and they was wrong. I was wrong one time. But I. Listen. Listen. Don't feel justified. Let me, let me share two stories with you real quick. One of them is about Moses. Moses had a great destiny in God. He was called out of obscurity and called to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, through the desert, and into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's Moses on this journey. They get about halfway through, and God tells Moses, Moses, if you'll speak to that rock... I'll let water come out and nourish you on the way. Moses says, no problem, Lord. Wham, wham with his staff. Strikes the rock out of anger because he was angry with the church folks. He was. He was angry with church folks. That This is amazing. That one instance of anger instead of operating in forgiveness towards them, kept Moses from entering the promised land. He never fulfilled his complete destiny in God. God let him look over the valley and see it, but he never got to walk into it. The second story is about David in the cave with Saul. Saul is trying to kill David. David and his men, Joab, they find themselves in a cave hiding, but Saul comes in to use the bathroom. and Joab tells David, he said, Buddy, your day has arrived. Here he is. He's yours for the taking. And David says, I'm not lifting my hand against God's anointed. David says, I'm operating, I'm operating not out of my flesh, but according to what my spirit says. Listen, how you handle offenses permanently affects your destiny. David is one of the most well-known kings that we'll ever read about in the Bible or I guess really even in history itself. King David. He did a lot of things wrong. My Lord, he, he even had an affair with a woman while he was in the palace. But he learned not to be offended. And because of that, God said, he's got a heart after my own heart. You can't live an offended life and expect God to bring you into your destiny. Eric, I want to get you to come and play. The only difference in Moses and David, man, I've got to say this your anointing will never bring you to your destiny. Without you learning to deal with offenses. If I had to pick the most anointed man, Moses did more miracles than anybody I've ever. I mean, listen, he was, he was splitting seas wide open. He, Moses had the miracle thing going on. Not many miracles recorded in David's book. Moses had the power. But he didn't deal with offense Right. And his destiny was stolen. So I want to encourage you to recognize this morning, just because you have power in your life through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't make it okay. Everybody in church, 99% of everybody that's ever been in Life Fellowship, From your wonderful last pastors, Daryl and Ann Crawford, all the way back in their 25-year tenure, everybody has ever come in and out of these doors. I want you to get this now. Buckle your seatbelt. Every person's been striving for one thing. And that's to make it home. I know there have been offenses. I know there have been things that you would have rather not have taken place here or there with that person and that person or this person. But we're all trying to make it home and carry as many people as we can with us. I want to tell you, if I weren't trying to make it home and carry people with me, I'd be on the lake this morning fishing. And I'm serious. I wouldn't be a pastor if I wasn't really interested in making it to my final destiny and bringing bringing a youth group into the knowledge of the power of the Holy Ghost along with me. And everybody that's ever been in this church, in your office, in your family, in your life that's offended you, some of you have deep, deep wounds that are festered. And you wonder why you never completely get past them. It's because you never let yourself completely heal. Be careful, unforgiveness can become a crutch you lean on. Well, I just can't seem to get past it. No, you choose not to get past it. The day before Christmas, 1943, that picture up. Franz Stiegler was a German... Luftwaffe fighter pilot. He's on the right. He was sitting in his airfield in Germany by his plane, one kill away from receiving the Knight's Cross award as a German ace. He was smoking a cigarette and he looked in an American B 17. Flew right over the tree line, flying very low, so low he thought he maybe was trying to land. He saluted his crew on the ground and he took off in pursuit to get his last kill to receive his commendations from Hitler. By the time he caught up to the B 17, I want to read you the story as it goes. Ziegler was driven by something deeper than glory. His older brother, in August, another pilot, had been killed by an American fighter pilot. This American plane, piloted by Charles Brown on the left, had just come back from a bombing raid, killing many German soldiers. As Stigler's fighter rose to meet the bomber, he decided to attack from behind. He climbed behind the sputtering bomber, squinted into his gun sight, and placed his hand on the trigger. But he hesitated. Stigler was baffled. He took a closer look at the tail gunner. He was still. Not moving, his white fleece collar soaked with blood. Blood formed in icicles on the plane. The whole plane's skin had been stripped away and it was nothing but a metal shell. All its guns knocked out. He could see men huddled inside tending to the wounds of other crewmen. He nudged his plane alongside the bomber's wing and locked eyes with Charles Brown. Charles Brown stared into Ziegler's face just a few feet away with shock and horror. Stiegler pressed his hand over his rosary and eased his index finger on the trigger but he couldn't shoot. Alone with the crippled bomber Stiegler changed his mission. Instead he nodded at the American pilot. And he began flying in formation so German anti-aircraft gunners on the ground wouldn't shoot down the slow-moving bomber. Stigler, in face of being even court-martialed in Germany and killed for helping an enemy, Stigler escorted the bomber over the North Sea. He took his last look at Charles Brown, the pilot, after they crossed the North Sea and he saluted him. As he flew him into safety's way, he peeled his fighter away and returned to Germany. Good luck, Stigler said to himself. You're in God's hands now. Both men survived the war in 1989 Charles Brown began a quest to find the man whom he had offended but chose to let him live. Little did he know that Stiegler had moved to Canada after the war and they did not live very far from one another their whole life, about 200 miles. In 1989, they met. You can watch the video of them meeting, it's very emotional. They've written a book together in which Charles Brown explains I was able to go on in life and have a destiny with my family because Franz Stiegler decided to give me mercy. When all the rules of engagement says shoot him down, he's finished, he's offended, he's killed, he's destroyed. Everything around you, you within every right to finish him off. We'll even give you a medal for it. But something happened that day to the German pilot. For the first time since the war started, he really noticed how ravaged the enemy was themselves. That they were tattered, they were torn, they didn't really have any fight left, and they were just trying to make it home. This German pilot did something extraordinary and he escorted an American bomber. Moments after destroying and killing many Germans, he escorted him to safety. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. How many people have you taken notice of and how much damage they already have? Maybe they've offended you. Maybe they've destroyed things in your life. Some of them may even be dead now, but yet there is a root of bitterness that has remained because of what they did, and I want to tell you this morning, they were probably on their last leg themselves. They were, they were just, they were just limping along. The church should be called a house of mercy. We ask people to come and say, "Come here," because. God's mercy is in the house, because he has forgiveness of your sins. We'll get up and preach, and we'll teach, and say it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how many times or who it's with. I want to tell you, God's grace is sufficient for you. His mercy is new every morning, but yet in our own life, we keep our finger on the trigger We keep our finger on the trigger. Now, I want to tell you, God's going to give you an opportunity today to once and for all release offense in your life. I'm asking every person in this place this morning. We've got people here that normally come here. We've got people here today that have used to come and don't anymore. And I don't know really any story about any of it. So that makes it real easy for me to preach this. But I want to tell you, God's given you an opportunity today to take your finger off the trigger so you don't have the burden of finishing off somebody else. That's barely making it themselves. Most of the people we're attacked, they're just limping along. God wants to free you today. He wants to allow you to operate in forgiveness today. You see, if people remain offended, I said I was going to mention this next week, but if people remain offended. They have children together. It's called bitterness, rage, wrath, envy. That's the children of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is a preventative measure so you don't have to go through all of that. God wants to free you today. In every way. Well, I came here today. I was looking for a pumped up Holy Ghost filled service. I want to tell you something. The Holy Ghost has never done nothing any more powerful than bringing forgiveness into our life. That's the most powerful thing that he's ever done. I've seen people shout. I've seen people run. I've seen people holler and flip and turn and squirm. But they still mean as a snake when it's all over because they've never dealt with bitterness. The ushers, I want to ask you to go ahead and get ready and come down. We're going to take communion today. I'm going to ask, I'm going to give a little explanation. So I want, I'm going to get everybody that will stand in the altar and take communion. I'm going to get you to come. Those of you that need to remain seated, the ushers will serve you in your seat after everybody comes. The ushers are going to be standing there here on the corner. If they run out of bread on another corner, just come somewhere else and get your bread. But they're going to be standing on these corners. We're going to take communion together today. And I want you to get this. I I love praying for people. The altar ministry is, is one of the, I think, the strong points of my ministry. But I want to tell you, I can't drag unforgiveness out of you. But there's one thing that can, and that's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Come on, ushers. Y'all come on down. I'm going to let the ushers come. Then I want everybody else to come. I want you to get a piece of bread, get your juice. As the ushers come, they're going to stand on these corners, right here in the front, wherever y'all want to stand. Go ahead and come, everybody. You can get stuff from the ushers. Then ushers, please serve the ones that have to stay in their seats. And I want everybody to stay in the altar, if you will. Come on. Come on. Listen. Listen. The Bible tells me that Jesus was broken in every way that you and I could be broken. And see what offense does, it breaks us. It breaks us. Some people live their entire life never the same again after being broken by offense. And I want to tell you today, God's in this place. If you need salvation today, we're getting ready to pray here in just a minute. You just need to ask Jesus to come into your life and say, God, I need need forgiveness myself today. I need forgiveness myself, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Luke chapter 22 I love the scripture because it talks about the breaking of the, bre- of the bread, and we know that the bread represents the body of Jesus. And most of the time, we'll, we talk about the physical brokenness of Jesus' body when we refer to the bread. But I want to tell you this morning, I believe that scripture speaks more to the, fit, to the mental brokenness of Jesus' M- mind. His mind was broken. His own rejected him. He was spat upon. He was a, he was offended. Richard he took all the offenses that you and I will ever deal with. He took them all on himself mentally. We say we're overwhelmed. The only way we can get overwhelmed is when we don't recognize the significance of the body being broken. Now listen, I'm not trying to make this elementary this morning. I realize people have hard struggles, but I want you to get this. If you and I will grasp the significance of the body of Jesus, and that it gives us clarity in mind and physical healing in our body, that that it is a cure for brokenness and mental illness, that everything that takes place is covered because his body was broken. That's the only reason. The only reason. There's nothing else in Scripture that gives you a covering for offenses other than the broken body. The Bible says he took the bread and he broke it and they did eat. And then it says they took the cup And he gave thanks, and we know that the cup represents the foundation principle of who we are. It represents the blood of Jesus being shed. And I want to encourage you today, if you're in this place, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, what a, what a great time to do it right now. You're about to partake in the Lord's Supper. Nobody has to lead you on a 12-step process You've just got to say, God, I recognize that you came and died for me and that you bring forgiveness of my sins and I invite you into my life. And it's done. It's done. It's done. The bread for my text today represents the times you've been offended. I didn't talk much about the times you've offended other people. The blood... It covers you from all those offenses you've caused others. What we've got to do, we've got to be like Jesus told the woman, how about you just go and you sin no more? Folks, this blood, this cup signifies what Jesus did, the forgiveness he gave you in your life. And they took the cup and they drank it. This is what I want want us to do. Let's sing that, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. We can sing that. Erica's going to lead us in this song this morning. Now, I want to encourage you to do this. And I I really mean this. I want you to grasp this right here. If there is people, when I went into ministry years and years ago, it was six years ago, When I went into ministry, the Lord laid on my heart several people that I had offended. And I just want to let you know I was justified in offending them. Anybody get my drift? I had every right to tell them what I told them because they did did it to me first. Does that not just sound like a two year old? They did it to me first. The Lord laid on my heart and I sat down and I wrote a letter to each one of those people. And I put it in the mail. It was a handwritten letter. It wasn't typed on a computer. And it just said, this is not to rehash anything. But as a child of God, I want to ask you to forgive me for doing anything offensive to you. Because we're both just trying to make it home. There are people that have been at Life Fellowship, people that are still at Life Fellowship, that have left offended, stayed here offended, just been offended. Can I tell you, some of you need to write some letters. I'm telling you this morning, you need to write some letters. If, if you've offended anybody, it doesn't matter if you were right and they were wrong. If you've done anything offensive, Get it off your chest. Recognize that it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And release that burden. I had one of those people that I sent that letter. No, two of those people that I sent a letter to. I saw them months, months, months later. I wasn't even going to church with them anymore or anything. And both of them embraced me and told me what it did for them that I, was, I sat down and wrote that letter. If there's offense in your life, deal with it. Deal with it. Because God's going to bring freedom into this place. Listen, if we're going to be a growing church, we can't have an offended church. We can't have offended from this corner all the way to that corner. In the back, in the sound booth, on the stage, we've got to be a unified church. And no church that's offended is unified. Unified. Talent can never override being unified. Help me this morning. Talent will never override being unified. A good-looking visitor's bag never takes the place of being unified and living a life of not being offended. So I'm giving you the opportunity today, Jesus is giving you the opportunity today, to leave this house free of offense. Freedom from offense will be the greatest freedom other than just salvation itself that you will ever experience in your life. When somebody else, the enemy doesn't use another person to hold you captive in the shell and the mess that you've been in because you once and for all say, God, I recognize that the body was broken, that the blood was spilled, and God, I have freedom over offense in my life today. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphurst.org. Thank you, and God bless.